Hello, everybody. My name is Tim Atterbury, and welcome to my Redefined in Christ podcast. It's a course-correcting podcast exploring what it means to identify with and live in Christ. So, what do you say? Let's get to it. Welcome to today's episode. It's called Depolarizing, and I'm so glad you could join us. As you know, I'm outside recording often, and right now I'm hearing a lawnmower that just started in the background, so hopefully it won't disturb us too much. But this is an unedited um, podcast, so we'll live with it as it is. This is my fourth episode in the Redefining Christ podcast. So far, beyond introducing the theme, we've talked about how Adam's sin affected all of us and how Jesus freed us. And in last week's episode, the third episode, we shared about the grace of God and how God's love reached out to us. And today, I have something that is somewhat unique for a study, but I think you will find it is very enlightening. I have titled today's podcast, Depolarizing. Now, I know that you feel like it's time to depolarize your life and you're excited about this podcast. Of course you are. So let me say, this is definitely a very rare teaching and you may have not even ever heard of depolarization or even thought about the subject of polarity in Christianity. I started looking into the subject about a year ago, maybe a little longer than that, and it's helped me to grow spiritually. And as a side note here, After studying for this podcast, I found that I'd have to break it up, so I'm going to have kind of a mini-series here on depolarization. Should be fun, right? So, I will also, after this, be podcasting on another subject, detachment. So I hope, hope that will be just as enlightening and interesting and kind of unusual, too, to talk about. I haven't heard much teaching on detachment, either. So stay tuned for that. If you like something fresh, I would keep tuned into my podcast. I believe you'll find very interesting things here. But anyway, back to polarity. What is polarity? Polarity, by a general scientific definition, is the property of having poles or being polar. For most of us, when you think of someone being polar, you think, oh, they went south with their attitude. But that's not what we're talking about here. I guess it connects. But it's easier to think about Polarity is having the state of two opposites or contradictory tendencies, opinions, or aspects, which is one of the definitions that you'll find in an online dictionary. Now, in physics, when we speak of polarity, we speak of things that are opposing forces. However, in our everyday lives, we often experience polarity in the form of speaking about positive and negative. For example, you know that You have to insert a battery correctly to get it to work. Or you can place two magnets together and they will push each other apart. This is polarity. It pushes and it pulls on things. You could say it separates to opposing or opposite ends. What we'll be talking about today is how polarity affects us spiritually. So spiritually speaking, polarity has to do with opposing forces. In particular, equally opposing, such as good and bad, right and wrong, light and dark. I'm going to be up front with you about this. If you're going to look, 
for spiritual polarity, you will probably find most of the links having to do with all kinds of spiritual topics, and mostly posted by non-Christian spiritualists. In a Bible study, if you look up the word polarity, you probably won't find it, because the word doesn't exist in the Bible. But don't you worry, as we study, you'll see how much the Bible does talk about it. It doesn't join words like trinity and rapture, doctrinally speaking, but this subject has much to do with our spiritual positioning. Studying the mystics of the New Testament, like John, James, Peter, and Paul, you will find that they have a lot to say about polarity. <laughs> yeah, I said mystics. I call them mystics because they focus on being one in Christ, absorbed into who He is, being one with Him, seeking out and teaching the ideas of living on a spiritual plane. When I read the book and letters of John and listen to James, Peter, and Paul, I get the idea that they see themselves as spiritual beings, not merely human beings. I'm sure all the writers were somewhat the same in this idea, but it rises to the surface of the writings of these particular authors, more like they're mystics, like they think in terms of spirituality more than they, a lot more than they ever think in human terms. So to me, I see them, I view them as mystics. I know that's a questionable word, but look up what it means. We must be careful when studying the subject of polarity. Now, because you will be misguided by instructors who are neither Christian nor scientists. Neither do they have a knowledge of godly things. Personally, I've not much more than glanced at some of the sites out there that use the term polarity, term polarity, but the subject is hard to find among Christian writers. So that's why we want to talk about it today. I want to talk about polarity today because it's something that I believe many of us have missed as Christians. And I want to teach you more about how to depolarize your spiritual life. We must learn that the world of polarity is carnal. It is my growing belief that we were never meant to deal with right and wrong, good and bad, nor light and darkness. This is what I'm going to talk about today. I want us to look at correcting a course of our spiritual lives. If, if we're living a life based on polarity... I want us to learn how to depolarize, because in a spiritual world, what goes up doesn't necessarily have to come down. It's that simple. The law of polarity basically teaches that everything has the opposite. Not only opposite, but most of us view it as so polarizing that we see it as equally opposing. Although this is not a scientific definition, it is the mindset of the average person. This clearly defies the teachings of the New Testament. So today we are going to dive into some of the thoughts and ideas that I've been putting into practice and for improvement in my own spiritual life and hopefully influence yours. Listen, we must look at every aspect of our lives as human beings having a spiritual experience and begin to see ourselves as spiritual beings having a human experience. Did you get that? We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Our understanding of who we are has changed as born-again believers. We have seen something the world cannot see, and we walk in it. 
So here are three specific areas of polarity that I want to talk about. However, after digging into the subject, like I said, it's going to be a mini-series. So today I'm just introducing the idea of what it is and how it can affect us. And then uh, we'll be looking into other parts of it over the next few podcasts. There are three polarities that I want to talk about in this mini-series. First and foremost, we must think definitely about love and look at it with different eyes. Love does not have an equally opposing force. Even though looking at things through the eyes of both love and hate is often the worldview we have. The second thing is, we must consider that light, which I'm defining here as absolute truth of God, testified by Christ and the Holy Spirit, does not have an equally opposing force called darkness. Light and dark is how we see things. And although light and darkness are both talked about by Jesus and other disciples, you'll quickly find that darkness is not the opposite of light. Light is the truth of God, a revelation. Darkness is deception. What is deception? It's a lie. It's false. So you tell me, how can deception exist other than in its form of a lie? A lie is something that is untrue. So, darkness is really the absence of truth, not the opposite of truth. Now, the third thing is we're going to talk about right and wrong. We view right as an opinion when it is a spiritual position that we exist in. Wrong does not exist in the model at all. We will be talking about righteousness in this podcast. Being placed in right standing or justified by Christ. In this spiritual place, wrong would mean to be unjustified. Listen, we are either justified or we simply do not understand the work of the cross and we walk in darkness. Ultimately, we must address salvation and sin. Because this is how we think often in terms of those who have accepted or rejected Christ. Defining sin is at the core of understanding the love of God. Just as sin was revealed by the law, sin was eradicated by the cross. Now, I agree these are tough subjects to conquer, and I would suggest taking notes or at least repeatedly listen to some of these podcasts. I want to clarify that this podcast is also an exploration. Because of much religion and lack of Bible-based spiritual teachings in the church, it is a difficult subject. So I'm going to introduce ideas and thoughts that might challenge some of us. I know they're even challenging me today when I think through these different types of polarities. But we must explore these spiritual implications. And we must understand what it means to live a life in the liberty of Christ. Some things can only be understood as they are revealed to each of us. This podcast was conceived with the idea of course correcting. Sometimes it does us all good to get clarity on our purpose. It is important to have clear direction in where we are going as individuals in Christ and as that body of Christ. The purpose for us to explore what polarization is, that depolarizing our thoughts and our processes of thinking are very important to our spiritual life. I do want to say I believe in holistic living. I believe in my spirit and soul and body all affect one another. But when we are talking about polarity, 
And as far as that goes, when we are talking about anything spiritual, our natural mind not only struggles with the ideas, but ultimately is an enemy of those ideas. So we must always keep in mind that logically we could struggle, even emotionally struggle, with what I'm teaching. I'm just asking you to take it to God in prayer. You see, our brains are naturally wired to view the world through the body senses. The brain wires neurons based on experience and sends messages to the rest of our bodies. The brain builds connections for electric current that seem to be the basis of where thoughts emerge. Thinking, however, is really something that happens in the mind, not the brain. Although we consider the brain as the most physical organ associated with the mind, there is nothing scientific that says the mind is confined to the brain. Your mind, according to most definitions, is part of an invisible, transcendent world of thought, feeling, attitude, belief, even imagination. When we discuss carnality in these podcasts, we're talking about the mindset that has been formed by the fall of man and falsely wired to believe polarizing thoughts, thoughts that align themselves with lies, whether by personal experience or by general knowledge gained from the world around us. Carnal thoughts, carnality, acting on carnal or natural thoughts often lead and come from the nature of sin in us. This sinful nature, living in sinful thoughts, are the same as living a lie. Why would I say that? It's because Jesus and the revelation he brings to us is the truth. What he has done is taken away sin. Yet to live in the darkness is to live without this revelation. Therefore, living a lie of deception, living in a lie, the absence of truth, that's choosing to live an unjustified life when you were made righteous in Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have a peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made the one who did not know sin be sin, that's referring to Christ, for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. How did that happen? It was a spiritual act. And the spiritual act of faith, when you accept the truth of God through Christ Jesus, this is how you become righteous through faith. Romans 3.22 says it like this, that is, God's righteousness through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe since there is no distinction. So God's righteousness righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there's no distinction. He's talking about Jews or Gentiles. For all sinned or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice it says all have sinned. We will define sin in a future podcast, but simply put, it is transgressing the law of God or missing the mark. 
Notice we all missed the mark or transgressed the law, and we all, in present tense, fall short of the glory of God. In our own carnal mindedness, which is wired to our brain and fallen human nature, we will always find ourselves as fallen humans, saved by grace. Your spirit receives Christ, your body is natural, your brain is guided by your human fallenness, or by the mindset of Christ through the Holy Spirit. We will always war with carnality as long as we live in this natural realm. But as a Christian, your heart, soul, and mind are in Christ. Know who you are. The natural mind, brain, and body must be surrendered to this reality. You are the righteousness of God in faith. Do not listen to the lies that tell you that you cannot be in right standing with God. It was the work of the cross. I feel like preaching, but let's get back to polarity. I guess what I'm trying to say is that once we have a revelation of God's love, and we begin to see we are free from everything having an opposite, we are left with one conclusion. <clears throat> this conclusion is that God has fixed everything, and we are just waiting for the manifestation. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting a drink here. God has fixed everything, and we are just waiting for the manifestation of, of the truth that we may not completely see yet because we change from glory to glory. We, we change in our understanding. How do we see that truth? We see it as the Spirit reveals it. A revelation, an uncovering of something. The truth has been covered by a lie called sin. Remember, sin is the transgression of the law. We live in the law of love. To transgress it is to not believe. So hear what I'm saying. Unbelief is a tremendous enemy to overcome. Unbelief is where carnal thinking, having a mindset that the Bible calls flesh, that is always condemning us. Unbelief. When someone judges others and condemns others, it is carnal. Those who are spiritually minded do not judge or condemn. And I know this doesn't sit comfortably, but we'll talk about this in the future. But I, I, I assure you, that Jesus says several times, He doesn't judge, and the Father doesn't either. Not in our time of grace. Not in this time we live in. The judgment took place on the cross. And the final results of that judgment will come in the future. We will talk about that. But here, when we think of sin, generally speaking, I'm talking about unbelief. It's the core reason for behaviors of sin or sinful behaviors you can name any behavior or action and there are plenty of them you can use them to describe sin or by miss or say that a person missed the mark because of them but understand what that mark is and it will bring clarity to the jews and those following their god-given laws missing the mark was transgressing the law that god had given the law did not save them. The obedience of sacrifice 
was the plan God gave them to be saved under that law. Missing the mark for us is missing, listen, listen to this, is missing what happened, what took place on the cross of Calvary. And therefore, not believing, not believing, the unbeliever will not go to heaven. So I, I guess I should say here for clarity that I believe there's a real hell and there's a real heaven. I believe anyone who does not believe with their heart and confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord will inevitably end up in an eternal lake of fire with death, with hell, with the grave, with the beast, with the devil and his angels. I believe that we are saved through God's grace and through our faith in what took place on the cross of Calvary. The Apostle Paul repeats the same concept. He has extensive teachings on having a mindset of Christ. This is a spiritual mindset that comes It comes about through us by being born again. So let's look at that term, born again. We view born again as a new spiritual birth because of the description that Jesus gives us. He contrasted it with natural birth. The term translates from a Greek word, or words that are like a word play, and, and it can be translated as born again or born from above. The term is used three times in John and once in Peter. Paul speaks of it in the terms as a mindset of Christ. So I put on the mind of Christ, the new mindset, a new thought process. And he also reiterates what Jesus said, what is flesh is flesh and what is spirit is spirit. The word born in the phrase born again can also be translated regenerated. I think this is important because we're talking about a regenerated heart and when we say a new heart, we're talking about a person who was meant to be more. A design from God that has fallen, therefore regenerated from above, restored, renewed. It is a supernatural transformation from the mindset of carnality to the mindset of Christ. Did you get that? Spiritual transformation from the mindset of carnality to the mindset of Christ. Galatians 5.17 says, for the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what, against, what is against the flesh. These are opposing, are opposed to one another, so that you don't do what you want. So how strong is this opposition? To us, it can seem powerful when we don't realize what we have in Christ. The next verse says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Hmm. What law? He says earlier in verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Ah. Wow. I'm telling you, and it's taught more than we realize, that trying to, go to do good will somehow save us, but it won't. Trying to do good will never substitute for the work that was done on the cross. We have been made free. In that same chapter in verse 13, he says, For you were called to be free, brothers. 
Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in this one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, our freedom was given on the cross. If we choose to have the mindset of the flesh, then it is opposed to God's love. However, it is not equally powerful. Love will conquer every ounce of darkness in our hearts and in our minds if we will allow it. So I want to go ahead and say here that when I talk about a heart, like the Bible, I'm talking about a place where emotions roam free in the plane of your attitude. When we have a regenerated heart, we have a new attitude, one in which emotions become tamer and more peaceful. When we have a new mindset, we are thinking in a different way. We think through the framework of faith and the revelation of the love of God. When we have a new heart, we have a new attitude. <laughs> Philippians 2, 5 says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Some translate it mind. In Spanish, I read the word sentir. It means feeling. In the Greek, the word is used at times for the mind, for the attitude, for affection. So you see, it's used to identify the position of your mental attitude. It is not just referring to logic, but also emotion. Putting on the mind of Christ is taking control of the logic and the emotion and putting it to work for God. You can't help but notice the added words of Jesus from the Old Testament. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But listen what Jesus said in Matthew 22.37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Mark records it in 12.30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So here we see putting on the mindset of Christ is to love God with our, with our all, or I guess you could say with all of our transcendent parts. All of the parts of us that are merely, not merely natural. It could be argued that the brain, the body, the physical senses cannot perceive spiritual things but can only respond to them. Something to think about. But these are the natural parts of us. But they affect the mind. So we can view ourselves as having two minds at war. One of the flesh and one of the spirit. I do believe that salvation is a process where we grow and develop spiritually through the practice of the love of God. And this takes, away, takes us away from the carnal living and puts us into a spiritual walk. When we view the world in polarity, the most dangerous part is that we want to believe that the devil is the opposite of God. As you will see, God does not have an equally opposing force. A simple definition of opposite means opposing something on the same subject, plane, or place. It doesn't always mean that it is equally powerful on the opposing subject, plane, or place. However, in our minds, we tend to view opposites as equally opposing. When someone disagrees, it's as if they're running in the other direction. Whether a lot or little doesn't matter. They oppose us. When we look at the words of Jesus, flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit, we think that they are equally opposing because they are enemies. However, 
It would be more correct to say, when you are spiritually transformed and have the mind of Christ, you are not carnal, and you are not living in darkness. Nothing can overcome your relationship with Christ when you have the mindset that you are one with Him and walk in right standing with Him. There is no opposing force that can overcome you. So what am I teaching or asking you to consider in this? Well, consider you are in a place in Christ where there is no force powerful enough to move you away, to turn you away, or overcome your victory in Christ. Consider that what goes up doesn't have to come back down. To live in a new life, a new creature in Christ, is to live free of any polarizing enemies. Everything that does not testify of the truth of who God is, anything in you that rejects God's grace through Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection, anything that threatens through fear to overcome you, it all becomes a lie and the truth becomes clearer and clearer in the light of God's love. Any part of you that fights through logic or feeling speaking against your righteousness in faith must be put under subjection. I believe that you will live in more freedom than you ever thought you could, but it starts with realizing that there is no equally opposing force to God's love in your life. The sad part is many Christians empower the devil, empower darkness, and empower sin to exist in their lives and eventually overtake them because their eyes have not been opened to see God's love with clarity. In believing the lies, we find ourselves walking in darkness and deception. The truth is not in us, and it means that the lies rule. Listen, this is dangerous. When we miss what happened on the cross of Calvary, we miss the mark. Missing the mark, remember, is a definition of sin. Sin, the transgression of the law in the Old Testament. In Jesus, that law is love, but missing the mark is missing what he did on the cross. Transgressing the law of God is really the same as living a lie. Unbelief is believing a lie. Living in something that is not true from a mindset of carnality. When we are wired to believe that we will always be a sinner, always miss the mark, always transgress, we are living in the mindset of defeat. I'm sorry, but it's to say that it's not to say that we never miss the mark. No, clearly not, but all believe the lies of our minds. Let me say this right. We all believe that when we believe the lies of our minds, they feed us carnal things. It's a carnal world. Lust is powerful. But we don't need to always conceive it. Listen. I should try to wind this down somehow because this will be the longest podcast I've had and I'm just introducing the idea. James 1.14 says, But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Notice the process of death. It starts with temptation. When you have a temptation, you begin to entertain the ideas of transgressing the law of the love of God or missing the mark of what happened on the cross. Notice it draws you away and entices you by your own evil desires. This is the work of the flesh. This is a separating force at work trying to take you away from spiritual thinking or a mindset of the spirit, and it pulls you into the carnal realm. After 
desire is conceived or birthed in you, this is when you start to embrace the thoughts of darkness and move in walking in that darkness, and it births a rebellion or transgression against God or an unbelief in you. And when it develops in you and controls you, it will kill you, and you will die eternally. So yes, we are all tempted. But I believe the Spirit in you will let you know you need to draw a line in the sand. When you cross to conception, you're headed down a slippery slope. So yes, we are all tempted and deceived at times by this thinking. But to actually willfully choose to live in the lie, this is what condemns you to the lake of fire for eternity. However, if you see the light and you walk in the light of God's love and continue, continually find your confession of Christ in your mouth and believe He forgave you of all your transgression on the cross, you can walk in that confession of faith. Turn your mind to Christ. The Spirit makes this possible because the Holy Spirit is how you see God's love and how you find faith to believe. There is no force, no temptation, evil desire that can bring about death in you. Paul reveals this fight against this deception and this darkness in his own life. He said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. I realize many like to share that they are a sinner saved by grace. Well, this is kind of complicated, but just hang with me. I think I get where they're coming from. We have all sinned and come short or missed the mark of the glory of God. However, I don't see where anyone walking in the mindset of Christ in the New Testament proclaimed that they were a sinner. Once we have been regenerated, we understand that sin was a lie that deceived us, and so our minds raged wild with a lie that Jesus did not die and was not resurrected and did not take away our sin. It's okay to explain that although we are born again, we are tempted, even drawn away, and possibly miss the mark, but to let the thought come alive and rule in us, that's what makes us a sinner. The person believes a lie and condemned. We all have a sinful nature. Having a sinful nature and practicing sin are two different things. A sinner practices sin. So, I have to confess, I do have kind of a bad taste in my mouth when I hear saints say that they are sinners. Maybe just a little more explanation would clarify for the sinner they are talking to about the miracle that God does in their lives. For all of us, He took away our sin. Living in sin is living in a lie over our own lives. So by my understanding of this fact, a sinner is someone practicing a lifestyle in darkness following a lie. They are not living the truth. So let's speak life and not death over ourselves. It's okay to relate to sinners on a level of being human, but we are regenerated, transformed, and have a new pattern of thinking. We must tell the one who does not believe in the message of the gospel that they were meant to walk in that love of God, in peace, and enjoy in the Holy Spirit, in a life abundant, and not in the idea that they cannot be a child of God that they were designed and meant to be. So as you can see, believing that there is an equally opposing power to God is an absolute lie. Paul says, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
When Jesus opens someone's spiritual eyes through the Holy Spirit, they will see the kingdom of God and by example, teach them to walk in that love. So, I want you to keep this in mind. I've got to close here, but we testify of our salvation of Christ, not our sinfulness in the flesh. This is our testimony. It should not be easy or comfortable for us to claim we are sinners when we are not practicing a lifestyle of sin. We can testify that when our temptations try to take us, God always makes a way of escape for us. That is our testimony. So friends, I'll meet back with you next week and we're going to talk about depolarizing love and hate. And I promise you, it will be a a shorter podcast. (laughs) And just keep in mind until then that Faith works through the love of God shown to us at Calvary. And don't forget to say your prayer tonight and let the work of depolarization begin in your life. God, help me realize that there is no equal, opposite, no opposing, no equally opposing power to your love. Your love conquers all. Amen.